Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, thank you for the gift of music. And truly, Lord, the angels are still singing if we will only hear their message. Sometimes, Father, it's through voices like this. Sometimes, Father, your angels sing through your word as it is proclaimed. And sometimes, Father, the angels sing through circumstances in life. And sometimes those circumstances, Lord, are not always pleasant. Still our hearts within us, God, that we might hear your voice as you speak to your people through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I want to thank the praise band. That was absolutely, uh, that was very meaningful. And I hope that everybody is as attentive to the message through the spoken word as you were through the message through music. I mean, you guys were sitting on the edge of your seats. And I even heard one person comment as they were finished up and they went, oh, like they're done. And now we got to listen to that preacher. <laughs> but the message today is not one that you want to hear. The message today, and if, if, if I'm, if, if I'm, if I'm going to be a Grinch, then today I'm going to be a Grinch for Christmas because we're going to talk about love. But love doesn't always come the way we want it to come. But God still loves us. And scriptures are filled with references to love. We talked about it with the children, with John 3.16 and a verse that we all know and we all uh, cherish and that is very meaningful to us. Uh, the scriptures tell us that God is love. So when you think of what love is, it's God. God is love love um, and I am always reminded when we when you speak of love with uh, Jesus and his confrontation with uh, with Peter when after the the resurrection and they were on the beach and Jesus said Peter do you love me and three times Jesus asked that word do you love me and you know the response to it if you love me feed my sheep it's easy to say you love jesus but are we feeding his sheep are we tending the lambs are we being obedient to god and if you aren't being obedient to god i question whether you love god or not you know we okay inundated at this time of the year with movies and cards and and most of them give us the wrong perspective of God's love we become convinced that the love of God always gives us what we want it's the puppy dog kisses you know and, and it's a warm fuzzy feeling that you get at Christmas when you see these sentimental movies that help you to feel good inside about life and family and getting your your gifts that you you want but that's not what God's love is like I think it's easy to get trapped by the celebration of the life that comes through Jesus Christ 
You know, we, we, we can celebrate a birth. We don't get as excited about his death. But it's on the cross that God demonstrates his love. That's where we experience the depth of the love of God. Yeah, it's, it's nice to, to, to get all caught up in the atmosphere of, of the birth of Christ. Because you see, he had to be born before he could die. So the coming into the world of Christ and of God in human flesh was essential in order for God to give himself for you and for me. You have to be born before you die. But know that that baby born in a manger hung on the cross of Calvary and bled and died for you. Don't forget that. Don't let that sentimental nostalgia and all that gushy stuff that we get around Christmas overwhelm you and consume you. In the hustle and bustle of Christmas, it's easy to forget that the baby was born to die. This lady was Christmas shopping and she'd been shopping all day and she was tired she had all her packages and she was carrying them uh, with her and she got to the elevator and she pushed the button and as she pushed the button the doors opened and the elevator was full but they squeezed her in and she backed into it and was barely able to get her all her packages in there and as she pulled in and they pushed the button for it to go to the next floor she made the comment, she said, I wish somebody would shoot the person responsible for all this Christmas stuff. And everybody nodded, said, yeah, yeah, there's all this going on. And then somebody in the back of the elevator said, they've already crucified him for it. All of this that we get caught up in, he was crucified for it. And we forget that because of the activities and the preparations and the partying and the goings on that we get involved in this time of the year. One of the signs of the maturity in children, I want the, the ones that were up here earlier, all of us want you to hear this one. One of the signs of maturity is to be able to recognize love in different packages. Love doesn't always make you feel good. Have to be careful with that. But sometimes when your parents say no, it's because they love you. Y'all believe that? I wish I had them back up here. I could ask them that question now. But. <laughs> It took me a long time to come to that understanding that love doesn't always mean I get what I want. It means that I get what I need and what's best for me. And that's the way God responds to us. Sometimes God says no because he loves us. And sometimes parents have to do things because they love you but they got to get the sin out of you. And that's what God has to do as well in our lives. God has to deal with our sin nature. And when you parent by grace, doesn't mean you stop 
disciplining your child, but you always discipline your child in love and say, what is the best thing for this child? And that's love. But it doesn't always come the way we want it to come. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 4. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 4. Different verse on love today. In your struggle against sin. I, I, I don't know about you, but I struggle with sin. Some of you look at me and say, well, you know you do preacher all the time. But in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, and, and here the writer of Hebrews quotes from Proverbs. And in Proverbs it says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all have human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Right, boys and girls? When they discipline you, you respect them for it? How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? God has to discipline our spirits with us. And how much more so when we're dealing with those spirit, their spiritual nature, with the sin that dwells inside of us, do we accept the discipline of God? They disciplined us, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, always for our good. When you experience the discipline of God, God is working a miracle in your life. That got your attention. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. We'll talk about that later. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Are you being trained by the discipline of God? And if you are, be grateful. For God is working in your life to remove your sin nature and to replace it with his holiness. And that's not always pleasant. Sometimes that is painful. 
I want to tell you a story. It's found in 2 Samuel 24. David uh, became aware of a sin in his life. Uh, what David had done is he had counted his soldiers, anybody who was able to bear a sword. And he did a census of all of the, the military ready men. And he had close to a million people ready to fight. And then he became aware of the fact that that was not right. He had, he's, his words were, um, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, said David. And then he says, I beg you, Lord, take away the guilt of your servant. What did he do? He counted his men. Why was that such a grave sin? What was wrong with counting the, the soldiers, doing a census of how many men he had? The prophet came to David and said, I'm going to give you three choices. One is God will send a famine because of your sin as discipline for what you have done. The other choice is you'll have three months of fleeing from your enemies and the last one is, I'm going to send three, day, three days of plague in your land. Did you know that God sends plagues as discipline? He who has ears to hear, let them hear. That when God is speaking, the people of God need to be listening. David chose the plague. He said, I'd rather fall into the hands of a merciful God than to fall into the hands of men. And God sent a plague among the people because of the guilt of the king. You know why it was such a grave sin? David counted his fighting men and that led to pride in his life. Look how much Look, look, look at how much big an army I have. You know, we, 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 can, we can defeat anybody. We're, we're strong. We're mighty. We have a million fighting men. And what that did was it took their eyes off of God. It put their pride in themselves and in their military strength. And God did not want him to have that kind of pride. That was sin. It took his eyes off of God, and rather depending on God, God, David was now depending on his army. But you know, sometimes, sometimes it's the little things that keep us from the life that God wants us to have. Certainly counting the soldiers was not a major crime, but it led to pride. David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. That wasn't what caused this. It was the pride of counting the soldiers. Have we become like David? Have we become proud? 
have we fallen into that little pit where, you know, we're, we're proud of our church. And for some of us who've been in church all of our, long, all our lives, I, I, was, I can't ever remember not being in church, ever. And there is a spiritual pride that comes because, yeah, God, God has blessed me and has, has, has been good to me. Look how good I am. Look, look at all the good things that, that God has done through my life. And that spiritual pride can keep us from a relationship with the living God. Are you proud this morning? Is that pride keeping you from experiencing the abundant life that God wants you to have? It's a subtle little thing. But church can become a barrier between you and God. I may have shared it with you. I'll share it with you again. Some years ago, I was between churches. I was teaching geometry in Essex County at the time. And I gave up church for Lent. One of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. Because you see, for 30 years, I'd been serving the church and not the Lord Jesus Christ. So I gave it up. I no longer serve the church. I serve God. And it was that experience that enabled me to, to come to that realization that it, it, it's not the church that I'm here to serve as a, as a child of God. You're not here to serve this church. You're here to serve the living God. Now, it may be through this group of people called Roundup. But if you get your eyes off God, then you're going down the wrong path. Pride can keep us from the life that God wants us to live. Comfort is another issue that we need to be careful with. I remember when we didn't have padded pews. I can remember the old wood stove that had to be stoked up every Sunday before you went in. I, I can remember when church was not near as comfortable as it is now. And, and now, talking about comfort, you don't even have to leave home anymore. You can stay in your pajamas, have a cup of coffee, and watch it online. And there are lots of people who are doing that. Not because they're afraid of COVID, but because it's just easier to do. Nothing wrong with that. Until you're using that as an excuse not to fellowship with the people of God. Because we need each other. The community of faith is important. But friends, let me tell you something. Your fellowship can become a stumbling block in your relationship to God, too. When you enjoy being together so much that you forget that you're not here for each other, you're here for God. When, when your fellowship becomes a replacement for the worship of the living God, then you've crossed that line. And it's a subtle little thing, 
You see, God has to compete with his blessings. So he gives us fellowship and, and he gives us comforts and, and, and he gives us opportunities to grow up within the, the framework of faith. And all of those things are gifts from God. But what do we do at Christmas? Where's my next gift? Let me unwrap something else. And we never thank the giver of the gift. We lose sight of the fact that God has given us these things and that God is God. And we become comfortable with each other and we become comfortable in our comfort. People, I'm here to tell you, there are most people in this world today are not living for comfort. They're living for survival. They don't know where the next meal is come from. These vegans and people that select what kind of food they can eat, boy, they'd love to be able to do that. If they have anything to eat, they're grateful for it. Where we can be selective and choose what we want to eat in our abundance, in our comfort zone. And I, I think sometimes that comfort is one of the major stumbling blocks for us to go out into the world that God has given to us because we're so comfortable where we are that we won't go. You know, another thing that God has to compete with is our families. It's the gift of family and how special family is, but family can be a stumbling block to our worship of God. If God wanted to call some of you into the mission field, to leave home, to leave family, to leave job, what would you say would stop you? Uh, well, well, I can't go. I've, I've got to take care of. I, I can't go. I've got to. And all of those can be idols in our lives. It's a gift from God. And it's that subtle little thing at times that we need to be aware of that, that God is God. And we need to worship him. All of these are good. But all of these can become idols in our lives. And just like David, he realized it was a grave sin. It was a grave sin. He really, his heart was pricked by it. And, and, and he repented. And then God gave him, said, well, I hear that. But if you don't suffer the consequences of your choices, you're going to do it again. That's called discipline. So he sent the plague. So that David might learn. I believe with all my heart that this pandemic that we are going through is a reminder to us that God is in control and that we are not in control. I believe that God is yelling at us. Well, no, he's not yelling because he always speaks in a small, still voice. But in the midst of the chaos, we're not hearing that small, still voice that says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
We're not hearing the word of God because we're so caught up in our affairs of this world with the gifts that God has given us, with the celebration of the season. And in the midst of this pandemic, God is sifting his people to see who is truly following him and who's along for the ride because it's comfortable, because it's the thing to do. But we're fast getting to the place where being a Christian is not the thing to do. Then what are you going to do? Sometimes God has to remove the idols from our lives so that we can become holy. Because you see, God is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. It's good to be happy. But God's more concerned with your being holy. God is more concerned about your eternal destiny than your earthly pleasures. God is more concerned about your relationship with him that is reflected in your relationship with others than he is with our little country club groups that get together. Where there is no power, God's not there. When God's people come together, there is There is love. And that's the most powerful tool of all. Do you know that God loves you more than you love yourself? And in this world today, that's a tough word to swallow because we're in a self-love environment a culture says you know take care of yourself god loves me more than i could ever love myself and god wants me to have a life that's full and abundant god wants to do in me a miracle that will make me the kind of person i was created to be before him he wants me to be holy he wants me to be whole he wants me to experience life to its fullest. But you know, we get caught up in our earthly pleasures that keep us from God and what God desires for our lives. God is shaking the world. But are we listening? When you are disciplined by God, do you rebel? Go to your room and slam the door. You don't do that, do you, Hunter? <laughs> or do you experience that sense of conviction and repent and say, Lord, here am I, a sinner. The angels are singing. 
And there's a still small voice speaking right now. To those who have ears to hear, let them hear what God is saying to his people. Amen.